There are steps that investigators must take when attempting to solve a case. They must look into witness accounts, collect crime scene evidence, and look for clues in the area and in the victim's life. They must comb through handfuls of different aspects of a person's life meticulously because the tiniest shred of information could lead to a breakthrough. But sadly, there are cases where so little information is available that the case becomes near impossible to solve. In today's episode, we'll be exploring four mysterious cold cases with no clues at all. John Thrasher. Born November 26th of 1982, John Matthew Thrasher was described by his loved ones as an intelligent, athletic, and popular young man. He was outgoing and well-liked, and had lived in Livingston, Tennessee his whole life. His family knew that his future would be bright, but John's life began to take a turn when he suddenly dropped out of his second year at Tennessee Tech University in Cookville. He enjoyed drinking and partying as a student, and his family feared that he had fallen in with the wrong crowd. Their fears were only amplified when, in August of 2004, the 21-year-old suddenly vanished. John was last seen by his father leaving the family home and getting into a vehicle with an unidentified driver. This was on August 14th. However, the former student was not reported missing until three days later, because his family didn't have any reason to suspect that something had happened to him, or that he'd never be seen again. John's older brother, Charles, who often goes by Eddie, said that his sibling was not the type of man to just disappear. One uncorroborated witness sighting placed the 21-year-old at the Putnam County Fairground in the vicinity of the 800 block of Bunker Hill Road in Cookville, Tennessee, 30 miles from his home, on the day he vanished. However, Eddie has told the media that he doesn't believe his brother made it that far, saying, I think he was murdered, dumped, buried. Stories around here were sinkholes, caves. He also added that he felt John was hanging around with people he shouldn't have been. The Overton County Sheriff's Department has worked over the last 17 years to try and bring closure to the case and the Thrasher family, following up any and all leads and tips. In April of 2010, 26-year-old Deputy Chad Wesley Pritchard followed up a tip he received by traveling to the Standing Stone State Park, which consists of 10,000 acres of dense woods and is littered by sinkholes, and tragically fell to his death after the edge of a sinkhole gave way beneath his feet. The tip the deputy had been investigating sadly did not pay off either. In 2008, Cadaver dogs indicated there was something in the water at that same state park. Sonar readings suggested there was a body beneath the surface. However, a thorough search by divers turned up nothing. They also searched the Cordell Hull Lake, but once again, their efforts proved fruitless. 
while a billboard was erected in the hopes that it would bring in new tips to the case, none of this information brought authorities any closer to finding out John's fate. Tragically, his father passed away in February of 2005, less than one year after his son vanished. Authorities believe that someone local to the area knows what became of John, but without a body or the right information, the case remains at a standstill. John was last seen leaving his family home in Livingston, Tennessee, in a white t-shirt and blue jeans on August 14th, 2004. He is a white male and has brown hair and brown eyes. He is six foot one inches tall and weighed around 180 pounds at the time of his vanishing. He has several distinct tattoos, including a one inch wide rope with a knot on his left bicep, an unusual design with the initials JT across his lower back and his surname Thrasher in old English script on the inside of his right forearm. If John is still alive, he would be 38 years old. If you have any information about his whereabouts, you can contact the Overton County Sheriff's Department at 931-823-5635. The Paris, Texas Quadruple Homicide. October 9th of 2021 will make the eight year anniversary of the unsolved murder of four men in a house in Paris, Texas. It is one of the city's most horrific crimes. The police chief at the time, Bob Hundley, said of the tragedy, this was a pretty violent situation. I've been a police officer here for 39 years. I can't recall any multiple homicides that we've had. On October 9th, 2013, shortly before 11 p.m., in a house located on the 400 block of Northeast 6th Street, four men were shot to death. 18-year-old Romello Stewart, 21-year-old Devante Aikens, 24-year-old Brijon Woods, and 32-year-old Billy Carey were all found in the front room of the house and dead from gunshot wounds. Emergency services received a call from a woman at around 11.23 p.m., where she explained that someone was bleeding at the home. First responders arrived on the scene to find all four men deceased. There are mixed reports about the woman who made the 911 call. Some articles claim that she had come to visit one of the men and had found them, while others have stated that she fled the scene before the medics arrived. Another article claimed that it was two women who phoned 911. It is unclear which account is correct. Investigators on the scene worked through the night until around 8.05 the following morning. Authorities did not confirm to the media if the crime was drug or gang related, and also declined to say whether or not multiple people were involved. However, they did report that they didn't believe it was just some random act of violence, and they ruled out murder-suicide. According to friends, the house was a hangout for the younger three men, where they went to relax and play video games. The police confirmed that one of the men lived in the house full-time, Despite the number of victims, very few tips came in during the early days of the investigation. Some neighbors reported hearing the popping of gunfire, but they thought it was firecrackers. Two other men were found to be in the home that night and they were interviewed, but their information failed to propel the case forward. One of the men was arrested on unrelated charges. Witnesses are virtually non-existent 
and the case has quickly grown cold. Although officers maintain that the heinous quadruple homicide is unlike anything they've ever seen, and they would like to see it closed. Even online, little is recorded about the victims. We have little more than their names and ages. Romello, the youngest of the victims, who was born on January 22nd of 1995, was described by his loved ones as a clever young man who liked to laugh and joke. He had dreams of one day becoming a rapper and enjoyed video games and playing football. The Paris quadruple homicide is still unsolved. If you have any information about the murders, you can contact the Paris Police Department at 903-784-6688. Or alternatively, you can call Crime Stoppers at 903-785-8477. Kimberly Arrington. Born May 23rd of 1982, Kimberly Arrington was the light of her parents' life. Described as a good girl with no rebellious streak, despite being 16 years old, Kimberly was friendly and well-behaved and enjoyed music, dancing, and learning about computers. At the time of her abrupt vanishing in the late 90s, she was a 10th grader at Jefferson Davis High School in Montgomery, Alabama. On October 30th, 1998, Kimberly spoke with her father, Walter, as he got ready to go to work. The pair chatted about Christmas gifts before the 16-year-old decided to head along to the local CVS pharmacy for a soft drink and some sweets. She had asked her sister, Jennifer, to accompany her, but the 14-year-old declined. And so Kimberly made the walk alone. According to the Charlie Project, the teenager was last seen in the parking lot of the pharmacy. However, the building had no CCTV at the time, and so this cannot be confirmed. There are many conflicting reports about whether or not Kimberly even made it into the store. Many articles state that she did not, but one report mentions that her parents spoke to staff who confirmed that she had come into the shop earlier. What we know for sure is that Kimberly did not come home. When the 16-year-old didn't return within an hour, her family began looking. A few hours passed before they alerted authorities to the situation. Frustratingly, the police labeled Kimberly as a runaway, despite her good nature and lack of problems either at home or at school. When the case was finally investigated seriously, law enforcement could find no trace of the teenager. She did not appear on any CCTV cameras, and as we mentioned earlier, it is generally unclear whether or not she reached her destination. Sex offenders and known criminals in the area were questioned, but authorities couldn't pin down any viable suspects. There has never been any strong evidence, leads, or suspects in the teenager's case. Kimberly's father has suggested that her good nature may have led to her disappearance, theorizing that someone may have asked her for directions and forced her into their car. Meanwhile, her sister has speculated that Kimberly was trafficked and she may still be alive somewhere. The lack of information in the 16-year-old's case makes it difficult to even suggest possible theories. Most online sleuths believed she was abducted by an opportunistic predator while she was going to or from the store. Many believe the truth about her fate won't come to light until someone confesses or Kimberly is found. Kimberly's mother passed away in 2005. Her sister, Jennifer, 
named her own daughter after Kimberly in 2004, the family continues to look for answers. Kimberly was last seen wearing a gray bugle boy shirt with a collar, light blue Levi jeans, and white Reebok trainers with a gray trim. She has a small surgical scar on the left side of her abdomen and had pierced ears at the time. At the time of her vanishing, she was suffering from severe allergies and preferred to spend her time indoors where she could avoid having bad reactions. She stood between five foot two and five foot four and weighed around 110 pounds. She is black with dark hair and brown eyes. If you have any information about Kimberly's vanishing, you can contact the Montgomery Police Department at 334-241-2651. Carleen Sessions Tengelson. Carleen Tengelson was just 16 years old when she vanished from Macon, Georgia in the 1970s. A junior at Southwest High School, her hobbies included drawing, dancing, and playing both the violin and the clarinet. By all accounts, Carleen was sweet, smart, and kind-hearted, and her sudden disappearance devastated all who knew her. On the afternoon of June 21st, 1972, Carleen left her home on East Street and drove the family's white 1963 Pontiac station wagon to the Westgate Shopping Center off Pio Nono Avenue. This trip was especially exciting for the 16-year-old as she had recently passed her driver's test and it was her first time behind the wheel on her own. The plan was that Carleen would pick her younger sister up from a summer day camp after she left the center. She had invited her younger brother and older sister to accompany her, but both declined. At the center, Carleen saw a group of boys she knew. They later gave statements that said she watched them play pinball for a while before leaving. Afterwards, she went to her boyfriend's work, a supermarket called Win dixie behind the shopping center. But instead of speaking to her partner, she left a note on his car telling him that she'd see him that night. From this point on, Carleen's movements are unknown. She never returned home. Her younger sister called her mother to let her know that Carleen hadn't arrived, which is when authorities were notified of the teen's uncharacteristic disappearance. However, police told the mother of four that she couldn't file a missing persons report yet because it hadn't been 24 hours. At 1.45 a.m., the family Pontiac was found at the shopping center outside of a local donut shop. Oddly, the vehicle's windows were wound down and the doors were unlocked. Family immediately grew more worried, knowing that Carlene would never leave the car like this. Worse still, there was no sign of the teenager. One of her sisters stated her belief that the car had been parked there for a short time before it was found because there had been no sign of it before the family's search began that night. While Carleen's father had been away on a business trip in Florida, he returned home straight away and repeatedly asked the police to dust the car for prints. Eventually they did, but this turned up no new leads. A year after the vanishing, the Tengelson family moved to North Carolina. Before they went, however, they left a phone at the old house, which was hooked up to a search hotline number and requested that the new residents of the home answer it in case Carleen called. The new house owners obliged 
and the phone line was active for two years, but they never received any calls. In 1977, the family returned to Macon. They settled just four miles away from their old home. Both of Carlene's parents are now deceased, but her younger sister continues to live in the area. There is no evidence in Carlene's case, and there is very little in the way of theories. Speculation online ranges from the 16-year-old being taken by someone she knew, to her being murdered at the hands of an active serial killer at the time, John Paul Knowles. Carlene was just 16 when she went missing on June 21st of 1972 from Macon, Georgia. She was five foot nine and weighed approximately 115 pounds and was white with hazel eyes and long brown hair that she straightened. When she was last seen, she was wearing a blue men's dress shirt, blue jeans, a Mickey Mouse watch, a silver bracelet with the name of a prisoner of war on it, and her boyfriend's white gold class ring, which was engraved with his initials. Carlene had braces, a chipped front tooth, a small mole on her left cheek, and a freckle on her neck below her chin. If you have any information about her whereabouts, you can contact the Macon Police Department at 912-751-7505. And there you have the facts. Please leave a comment down below with your own theories and speculations, and remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. You can also support us on Patreon to receive a shout out at the end of every documentary we make. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.